Welcome to Capital P and People Work. I'm your host, Gabby Lubin, and I'm a three-time burnt-out professional. I say that because it's my mission in life to co-create a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. That's why I've brought you a full season on Capital P of episodes that center on workplace wellness. Together, we'll dive into what it means to really walk the walk of wellness in the workplace. Join me in chatting with people leaders, wellness CEOs, and workplace wellness providers to learn about all that there is in workplace wellness. Let's dig into the topic for today. Today, I'm joined by Tracy Sponenberg. She is the Chief People Officer of the Granite Group. She's responsible for leading all people functions throughout the company, with close to 60 locations and growing, and nearly 800 team members throughout six states. While Tracy used to describe herself as working in HR, she now describes herself as a business leader specializing in people, a change that came after her transformation from paper first to people first. Tracy is a global speaker on HR, leadership, technology, and business issues. She's a co-founder of HR Rebels, HR on the House, Disrupt HR New Hampshire, and HR Rebooted. She also is a founding member of Hacking HR Experts Council and CPO HQ. She's also the vice chair of the ASA Women and in Industry Executive Council and an expert council member for select software reviews. Her articles have been featured in numerous magazines and podcasts. She also has, has her expertise that's been featured on the BBC, NPR, and in publications including USA Today, U.S. News and World Report, Employee Benefits News, Chicago Sun-Times, and the Wall Street Journal. She's a bookworm and introvert who never spoke in class until college, and in recent years, Tracy started getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, though she now realizes she won't die speaking in public, to the media, or on camera. She still hates parties and crowds, but loves espresso and movies. She loves traveling, visiting Disney World with her family, visiting local coffee shops, and very slowly running 5Ks with her husband. All right, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Gabby. I'm really excited to be here. Us as well. Let's uh, make sure, though, we get uh, started with our first two questions. Of course, we always want to make sure we celebrate your accomplishments. We heard so many of them. Tell us, though, who are you as a human? You know, I think uh, as a human, I'm still developing. I'm still kind of growing and, and learning every day. But I think it's, you know, it's easier for me to frame the question in kind of what's important to me. And I think that's mm. what makes me who I am. And it's first and foremost, my family. And I have a husband and a, a adult son and two amazing stepdaughters who really um, are my whole world. And I think that's, I keep them in mind in everything that I do. And then, you know, next I'm a you know, a daughter, a friend, um, you know, a, a leader, an employee, and, um, you know, that's, that all wraps up into me. And, and what I'd love to do is just kind of be out there, be out traveling, be out in nature, um, and then come home and curl up with a book because I'm a pretty deep introvert. So, so like lots of like stuff outside and then coming inside and, you know, reading for three hours is, is sort of me. I love that. What book are you reading right now? Anything to recommend? I just finished. So I just got Kindle Paperwhite um, mm. because we we bought a van. We're going to travel and and um, long story. But 
so I read, I think it's a Kindle author, Frida, uh, Frida McFadden, um, mystery. I believe she's, she's a doctor and I believe she writes mostly for Amazon and mostly Kindle books, but they're really twisty and really fun. So I just, just finished one last night and it's one of these that you put down, you go, I didn't see that coming. So I love that kind of stuff. That's excellent. I just got my husband to read Gone Girl for the first time and he just finished so it. Good. So good. So, so good. good. Yeah. And I um I got the book signed recently because I met met <gasps> Gillian Flynn in person. It was so cool. Oh, so anyway, awesome. big fan of mysteries. <laughs> yeah, you you would love this then. Similar, similar vein as Gillian writes. There we go. Amazing. All right. So let's dig back in because clearly we could talk about other things for some time. Um, Tracy, would love to hear what capital P word are you thinking about in people work right now? And there's so much going on and, and so much to think about. But I think what helps us and our, our team at the Granite Group is um, our purpose. And our purpose, so let me back up, our, our purpose of our, our company's purpose is to create a durable growth engine for our people. We changed our tagline. We're a, a plumbing wholesaler, um, a plumbing and, and HVAC wholesaler. And we changed our tagline from um, uh, solid as our name, because we're the grant group, to great people, putting people first, great products, mm. uh, and, and kind of live by our purpose of creating a durable growth engine for our people. And then our team's purpose backs up against that, and that's creating an incredible individual people experience and that's what we try to do we're trying to do for each and every one of our almost 800 team members that's amazing and honestly i think it's uh, very progressive for the industry that you're in even just to have the title of chief people officer so let's i'd love to dig into that a little bit before we dive into this idea of transforming hr um how did you get yourself into this role like what led you there we you know we heard from about your bio and all the different amazing things that you've done but talk to us a little bit about part of that career journey for you yeah so um i wasn't really intentional about the things that i do in my life or career till maybe you know probably after i started at the grinning group and it's been almost eight years and and mm -hmm. so but i was one of those weird kids who knew what i wanted to do in high school and kind of followed that path i want to do personnel and and uh then it became hr and sort of it was a very traditional HR leader, very um, compliance driven for a long, long period of time. Started in a global company, kind of went uh, smaller, um, was in a job that I loved in a company that was distribution, but also changing into a tech company. It was really exciting. It was private equity, um, really, really fun. One of those jobs where, you know, you go to work every day and, and you, you love it. But I was gonna be um, traveling all the time I was traveling a lot and we had a lot of things happen, including my girls, um, their mom passed away and mm -hmm. my husband left his job, started his own consulting firm so he could be there. And I was always on a plane and kind of spending half my time in California. So out of the blue, I get a call from an old contact about a job at a plumbing wholesaler in my hometown, four miles away that I had never heard of. And I really reluctantly talked to her found out more about it. I was like, okay, you know, I, that would be sort of nice to be close to home, um, to be close to the girls' school and be able to actually see them and <laughs> more. And because our whole family dynamic changed. And um, so I, I went to an interview with the CEO, called them by the wrong name, figured I totally screwed it up, went home, forgot about it. And a couple of weeks later, I get a call to meet the 
executive team. And that's when I went and went, wow, I had never seen, you could see culture. I'd never seen people that really just love to work where they worked and, and love to work with each other. And just, I went, so I went from being really reluctant to really hoping I got the job and um, I did and it worked out and it's been the best professional and personal move I could have ever made. Beautiful. What a, seems just like an aligning of values and stars and experiences at that time. Yeah. So um, it's always, it warms my heart to hear about those. So thank you for sharing that. They do yeah. exist. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's not perfect, right? No job no, is perfect, but, but, but it worked out in the way that um, I was so glad it did. I was yeah. so glad it did. Was it a CPO role at the beginning? It wasn't. No, I actually was a, I had a director title. I was essentially, I was a head of HR. I think what mm -hmm. we would call now the head of HR, right? The head of HR had a director title. And when I got the offer letter, I didn't know what the title would be. And it was senior. I don't know if I've ever talked about this actually. Um, it was senior vice president of human resources. And I'm like, wow, that sounds fancy. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, it was just, it was, basically do a head of HR role, doing the same thing. And then I was there for a few years and, and kind of brought some things to the company and, and was sort of looking at the landscape and didn't feel like the title really fit. So I had a conversation with my CEO and about, you know, a number of things um, that I needed to do my best work and including a title change. I felt like a a chief title would make sense. And I felt like chief people officer made sense for our company. And, you know, he thought about it, came back. He's like, well, what about CHRO? He didn't really know anything. I was, and I explained why, I mean, you see that, you see that in a lot of hospitals, you see that in a lot of traditional companies, but I really want to put us as a, um, you, you know, people first company and, and people fits better. People aren't resources. And so then I was CPO. And even though I was in the C-suite before, it, it did open up things, I think, internally and externally. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to realize the title differences in companies and how they're yeah. thinking about those that person who's at the top doing the people work. It makes it, it bleeds all the way down to the bottom. Just having a title. It's wild. It does. It means nothing and everything is yeah. the way I usually explain it, really. <laughs> um, how many years ago was that, the, the title change? Maybe six, maybe a little okay. bit more. Yeah. Okay. So you've been seasoned in it for some time and I'm sure there's yes. been a lot of trickle down effect. And now like you're, you, you speak to audiences about some component of this and this like transformation of HR. I don't even want to call it HR right now. I want to call it people yeah. work. Right. That's why the podcast HR is, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know you can call it HR. We're trying to get to people, right? Yeah. There you go. So talk to us about like, why did you start speaking about this topic? What, what changed either in you seeing the workforce or your experience literally at the Granite Group that kind of illuminated this as a, a, a need? So I, the Granite Group was the first place that really led people first. I mean, they had no idea what it meant. I had no idea what it meant. Um, but again, you could see the culture and, and so I had that experience of working for a company that was like really trusted at people, its people was, was really, um, you know, 
existing for its people. And it's still a company. We need to make a profit. We need to be productive. But um, really, truly, it's a, a wonderful company. And so I had that experience. And that really you know, helped inform a lot of things that I do. I also have a really supportive CEO who wanted to help me grow. And about, I want to say it was six years ago, maybe, yeah, maybe six or seven years ago, um, I, like I mentioned, I'm a deep introvert, never spoke in public. And um, I had a uh, trans employee come out at work and I was scared to death because she and, and she uh, identifies as, as a woman is, is no longer with the company, but um, she knew nothing other than um, she was a woman. And so I really walked that journey with her and I had a really hard time at the time. I had literally just started. So I guess this was closer to seven years ago. Um, and I didn't know where to go for resources. I, I just had no idea. So maybe eight, nine months later, I got our employees permission and um, there was a local HR group that was doing um, a talk on your trans employees at work. And, you know, I reached out, I knew the person coordinating it. And I said, can you share this story with your speaker? Because, you know, I think it's important to know in New Hampshire that, you know, there, I'm happy to be a resource, right? Somebody can reach out to me if they're struggling, like I, like I wasn't how to support um, their trans employees. And I think we've come as a, so far, even mm -hmm. in New Hampshire, so far in that, but this was seven, eight years ago. And so the speaker reached out and said, I want you to co-present and, and I have experience in schools, but not in the workplace. And mm. so this I describe as a real fork in the road for me. I could have said no, like I always said no to everything or say yes and be scared to death and almost throw up. And so for some reason I said yes, I think because I knew that group, I had led that group before um, and I was comfortable there. It was still very, very scary. So we did the presentation. And what I found out was I had something to say, you know, I didn't die. And so many people reached out after and went, you know, thank you for doing that. And it really unlocked something in me where we did that same presentation several other times all over the state and I think beyond. And it really unlocked something in me going, you know, I had something to share. And so I got the courage to apply for my first solo presentation on a tech transformation that we did. Um, in my department. And I, that was at HR Tech in Vegas, which was super scary. And that was my first solo. And then that went really well. So that kind of snowballed and led to all kinds of other opportunities. And it was just really saying yes. I know it's a really long-winded answer, but it's a really important part of my, my journey to doing what I do and, and talking with you today. Yeah. I mean, transparency is something that we're still really working on in the workplace. Yeah. And it's important to have people who are speaking out on that and helping just illuminate where we're all struggling because we yeah. are all struggling with certain things, including, yeah. yeah, including this, this idea of how to transform yourself as an HR professional into more of this people space versus the, hmm, what what was the word you use? I'm trying to find this the same word that you used before, but kind of being just um, traditional, 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 ah. yeah, really legacy, traditional. Yeah, you said something cooler than that, but we'll we'll did I? We'll wait, oh, we'll wait till I hear it later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, like talk. So so you're doing talks about this um, particular topic. Um, 
I assume it has something to do with your specific experience and kind of like aha moment at the granite group of like, wait, we can be doing more. Why don't we do more? Yeah. What are some of the things that are holding um, individuals or companies back from doing some of this work? And then let's do go into the like, okay, what do we do to get there? What do we do? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's two things. I think um, it's either the company slash leadership team itself, or it's the individual in HR. And and this is hard to see if you're in a really progressive company, like a lot of tech is super progressive. A lot of larger companies are much more progressive, but most companies are not like that. And so sometimes when I talk about this in the tech space, people are like, what, what do you mean? And and but when I talk about it in the non-tech space, there's a lot of heads nodding. And so I love when I get to talk with CEOs and and talk about the power of HR. And I think, you know, if we look at there's lack of CEO support, lack of leadership team support, lack of company support. I look at that as a huge education opportunity, whether it's for somebody like me, whether it's for the CEOs going to, you know, a conference and, and learning, whether it's from their own team educating them. It's a huge learning opportunity for these leaders of these companies who don't view HR as really the incredible transformative leaders that they are. So that's part one. And part two, and I think it's probably a bigger part for lots of reasons, um, but part two would be HR leaders themselves either not understanding how to get from here to there or in some cases being unwilling to get from here to there. So I, I was one of those leaders. I love to say no. You know, I love to wield company policy like, you know, over everybody's heads. And and so that's still super prevalent. And, and if that's what your HR leadership looks like, that's what your leadership of the company thinks is HR should be. And that's not good for anyone, least of all the, the people in the company. Mm. Hmm. So what can we do to do better? What does it look like to make those personal steps towards, because I mean, let's take it back for a second. You can't make systemic change if there's not someone leading that systemic change, right? So it's got to come, it's coming from somewhere, somebody, maybe, you know, a person sitting in your audience, sparking this idea in their mind or listening to this podcast possibly who knows who knows but um (laughs) what what are some like early steps people can take to start making these moves for themselves you know i think first of all you have to know what kind of organization you're in and and what kind of um leader you want to be so i think the first thing is and i talk probably the number one question I get is what if my CEO isn't supportive? So what if I know what I need to do and my CEO isn't supportive? It is not impossible, but extremely difficult to move a CEO like that. Really, really, really difficult. You can try to do it. You can try to um, use data. You can try to, you know, hit the bottom line and, and you can really try to have those conversations to get a CEO to embrace um, the things that you need to do to move that company forward. And, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, it's not even the CEO. It might be the CFO or head of legal that, that HR reports to. So if, if you're either not reporting to the CEO um, or if that CEO isn't um, receptive, 
I usually say try to change it. And if you're unhappy, then then start looking. Uh, Lori Rudiman has an excellent book called Betting on You that I refer to people all the time. If you read it, it is just and I'm not job seeking and I read it and it is just so super helpful, particularly on how to find a job while you're still employed because most people need to be employed. But, you know, it is very frustrating to be working at a place knowing that your role can have enormous impact and not being allowed to have that impact. So so that's you've got to remove those roadblocks if you can't then then you're probably not going to be able to to transform and so the other part would be um i would say starting with really embracing a growth mindset so you have to take a good hard look in the mirror and you know where are you you know what do you want out of life out of work you know are you happy are you engaged are you you know i wasn't and so i didn't realize at the time but i realized later that I went from a fix to a growth mindset and I'm still really growing. So if you're like, this is the way it's done. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Um, employees, I don't care. I'm towing the company line and that's the way you are. And that's the way you want to be. This won't work. I mean, I think that's exactly where the wellness component comes into this. Um, and a lot of my background, this is making me think of um, all the work that I did in adult development. I don't know if you're familiar with Keegan's theory of adult development and immunity to change. Long time ago. <laughs> Long uh, time. So it's it's a very confusing but awesome theory. And people who listen to this podcast have heard me talk about it a few times now. So <laughs> we won't talk about it specifically. But, um, you know, this idea that uh, adults are resistant to change as individuals. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that from how you were talking about the CEO and, and many of these circumstances. Um, but that once we open ourselves up to this ability of learning, um, of seeing things for the first time of, I'm trying to say other words than growth mindset, but growth mindset. <laughs> right. 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 It, yeah. It, it's And it's scary. It's scary. It is. And I don't like to be scared. You know, nobody likes to be scared. It's scary. Yeah. But it does change you. That. And it takes, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard. I think people have a challenging time getting there totally by themselves. There has to be like a moment that, that, that light switch flips in your mind that will allow you to be able to step yeah. into growth mindset. So um, and we're yeah. kind of backtracking yeah. a little bit, but what do you have any advice or oh, thoughts yeah. on that part? Yeah, I had a, I definitely had a moment. I probably had a lot of moments, but probably the biggest catalyst was um, I was at my last company. So this is probably 10 years ago. There are a couple of things, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I looked in the mirror, didn't like where I was, you know, personally and, and did a lot of things to change and get healthier. And, yeah. um, you know, it, and that had a huge, started exercising that had the, probably the biggest impact on my overall well-being and my overall happiness and I still do that um even though you know a lot of the weight that I lost came back during COVID but I got healthy right and feel good and so that had a huge impact on what I do every day and I can't I'm not a, a marathoner but I can't underestimate the impact of getting out in nature or doing some form of exercise every day um so that was one thing and the other thing was maybe about 10 years ago in my last company I had um one of my people on my team say one day, can I talk to you? And she came in and I figured it looked like she was going through a personal time and a difficult, difficult situation. And I sort of 
modeled what my CEO did. And my CEO was great, but he was like, you know, if I don't tell you, you're not doing a bad, if I don't tell you you're doing a bad job, you're doing great. Right. So I kind of led like that. And, you know, I, I didn't give feedback and I was just like, Hey, how you doing? And I'm here if you need me. And that's pretty much it. So she came in one day and she said, um, can I talk to you? I have a problem. I'm like, yeah, of course, let's sit down. And she's like, I have a problem and it's you. And that was, you know, I remember that like yesterday, it was such a, and I felt terrible, terrible, but we not only had a great talk. Um, and what happened was I wasn't giving her feedback. I just, she had no idea how she was doing and it was causing her so much stress at work. She just was, she was visibly stressed and I didn't take the time to talk with her, to check in with her, to give her feedback, to give her what she needed um, as somebody on, on my team and shame on me. And so that was like a real wake up call for my leadership style, for me personally, for everything. And so we had a great conversation. Um, she left the company shortly after I did, and she's gone on to have a, a great career. And I am so grateful for the enormous, I can't even imagine how much courage that took, enormous courage she had to have that conversation with me because it certainly made her work life better, but it made my life better in so many ways because it's um, getting feedback back like that, um, especially when it's really, really bad, is transformative. Yeah. Um, wow. I am like feeling the gut punch that you had then. But yeah. it's you sometimes you have to have that's how like humans work. You have to have a little bit of a punch in the gut to make yeah. changes happen. Um, what a brave, what a brave person. Gen Z's doing more of that now. So I think we'll have better workplaces a little Love bit it. faster. <laughs> yeah, I have three Gen Z kids and I am so grateful to to them. And I love hiring folks from Gen Z or seeing them coming into our workplace because they're forcing companies to change. They're forcing us to change. And that's a good thing. It sure is. And it's things also that all of us will benefit from. Right, right. Who doesn't want feedback and who doesn't want transparency and who doesn't want, you know, uh, you know, work-life integration in a way that makes sense for the individual. It's, exactly. it's all good. So I kind of cut you off. We went deeper into yeah. this growth mindset space. What is, if there is a next one, what is the next one that you were thinking of? Yeah, so I have a lot of different things that just kind of based on my experience. And and I think um, growth mindset is necessary to do any kind of transformation change. And I look at if you really want to transform your department, you want to transform the um, HR team and your company to a people team and basically to really lead people first, right? So to really embrace all of the power that each human has and to do really incredible work. Uh, it takes a lot of different things. It takes a lot of bravery. I think that's something that I was really bad at being brave. I'm still not great. So it's still really hard for me to have a difficult conversation. I've had plenty of them, but really, so let me say, doing a lot of things that HR isn't necessarily known for, right? Mm. So we we are known for being empathetic. We're known for being good listeners. We're known for making things happen but we're not necessarily known for standing up for ourselves and for others. And we should be, and I want that to change. We're not necessarily known to be forward thinking business leaders. We should be leading the company. 
and things like technology and things like, you know, um, you know, just you and I just talked briefly about uh, AI and, and the power of that to transform organizations and, and teams. And, you know, we shouldn't be ignoring that. We should be embracing that and, and moving forward. And some people do. Again, there's lots of asterisks uh, after everything I say, but some people do, but we need to be leaning in, not leaning away. Yeah, that's such a, such a great point. Um, as someone who has not used chat GPT to their fullest, I am. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. I am trying not to be this millennial that becomes <laughs> an old millennial quickly and not liking technology. So anyway, I, I think it's, it's important to remember that, like, we don't have to use these technologies or new ways of thinking and have that be our identity per se, Right. but we have to be open to it and critical or challenging of the norm in order for the best outcomes to come regardless. It ha that has to happen, right? And understand, understand what's going to happen with AI that, you know, we've been talking about AI for a decade and it's been used. We use it every day. If you shop on Amazon, you use it, you know, we use it every single day in ways that we don't think about, but it is transforming so fast, so fast that we have to at least understand it because if we don't, we're going to get left behind and our companies are going to get left behind. So I want to see HR is not only like the bravest department in an organization, but I want to see it as the most technologically savvy department as well. I love that. The bravest department. I think from all the guests that I've had on this, this podcast so far, and many of them are, you know, in HR in companies or providers, I think they've all had really, I mean, shockingly, we're on a podcast, so we all, y'all have something to say, but I think there's this change, particularly from the pandemic that is allowing the HR function to be more bold and brave. And that is a right. great way to lean. And that is where employees are going to continue to ask of their companies. They will. Yeah. And not only ask, but demand. Gen Z is yes. going to come in and demand this and we need yeah. to be ready. Yeah. Oh, um, yes, I love this. So what kinds of things, because I've had this question asked of me before, and you kind of touched on it before, but I think it might be good to hear one more piece of advice, maybe. Sure. Um, if your CEO is not quite ready, but you think could be right to hear some of these things, what kind of specific um, things could someone share with their CEO to start changing their mindset about the functionality of HR? So there's a lot of good um, data out there. I mean, just use ChatGPT or Google um, to, to get access to there you go. a lot of good data out there that ties company profitability to um, empl overall employee well-being or uh, productivity or, you know, engagement, you know, you, you pick it. Um, and so what I've done with our leadership team, and I didn't need to really do any convincing to our CEO, but you can make a business case for whatever you're trying to implement, whether it's you need some type of um, investment in technology or whether you need to change a particular process or, or what have you. 
um, there's a lot of good data that's available. And I think if you match that with any systems data that you have, and, and you should have some type of analytic system, and there's some that are, um, there's so many that are available. And, and I think you start with the existing tech that you have and, and check out what you have that you're not using. And I think that's a good place to start. So you kind of marry those two things together and, and you start that conversation. And there's so much that you could do and so many places that you could start, but start having those conversations. Make sure that you're building that trust with your CEO if you don't have it already. My CEO trusts everyone until they break it. So um, I was fortunate to walk in and, and have him listen to me pretty much immediately and and some things took more convincing than others and some things i'm not able to do but that's you know that's the world of work right and um so start to have those conversations and then over time as the trust builds and as you know you really show that you know what you're doing and you know the direction you want to go and you can prove that out um you know i wouldn't be surprised if if a ceo buys into that yeah, um, data is absolutely queen in this because yep. you have to be able to make it objective. And um, you are reminding me of the episode, uh, episode 25, which we did with um, Nick Jestet. I don't know if you also know who he is, but he's a mm -mm. friend of Mindy's as well. Mindy is okay. the ultimate uh, connector. Mindy. Yes, many, yes. many guests from Mindy's network on, on our podcast, but um. That episode is a really, really great episode if folks are looking to learn more about what they could do and what is possible with uh, people analytics and people data. So, so much. And it's been so fun to see. I have um, a person who's uh, our head of uh, people experience. She's our director of people experience. We have a small team. We started with two and a half people. Um, we still have a small team. We have eight people. Um, she didn't come from the world of HR and she's learning all of this. And it's so cool to kind of watch it through her eyes. So I'm getting to, as I work with her and coach her, getting to kind of dip into a lot of these things again. And, you know, if somebody who is, um, you know, brand new to the world of HR can embrace people analytics and learn, then anybody can. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think there's so much value in having people that are not in the HR world or not in particular yeah. departments enter those departments. Yeah. It is growth mindset to its fullest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm well, going to just be like super vulnerable and say, I have something in my hair that I can see <laughs> like as a piece of lunch or something. So if anybody, you happen to pull this clip and see like it's the worst being looking at yourself on zoom. So you're probably like, Gabby, you're probably like, what the hell is she doing? And um, I, yeah, I couldn't like tell focaccia in my hair. So, uh, yeah. Well, props anyway, to okay. you for learning how to so. make focaccia <laughs> as we spoke about earlier. I need fun. that recipe and need to figure out how to make that happen one day. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Um, well, this has been such a lovely conversation, Tracy. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today and excited for folks to be empowered to make self-transformation and then transformation in their organizations. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was really, really great. Fabulous. I swear I learned so much from each and every episode on Capital P. If there is something that you are taking away from this episode, we encourage you to share it on social media, particularly our main channel on LinkedIn. Tag us, tag our guests. 
As always, thank you so much for listening, fam. We'll catch you next time to talk wellness in the workplace with other visionaries. You can find Capital P Tuesdays and Thursdays this summer on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with a brand new episode. Make sure to follow us and share with your favorite people people. See you next time. Thank you.